Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. One verse in John 8, and, uh, but, but it's an important verse, and, and we're going to see what, um, what it means for Jesus to have said, I am the light of the world. Uh, you know, so, so far, this is the third message in this series. So we looked at Exodus 3, where God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and, and said, I am, and that gave, gave Moses that name, the personal name of God, Yahweh, uh, that, that's usually translated in our Bibles. Uh, it'll be translated the Lord with, with Lord in, in small caps. So anytime throughout the, uh, throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, when you see that, it is, that, that is Yahweh. That's the name of God. And the, uh, the Jews thought that was so, uh, so holy, such a holy name, that they refused to speak it. And so what they did is they took the, uh, the consonants, Y-H-W-H, and they would fill in uh, other, other vowels with that. And that's where we get the name Jehovah. It has the same, the same vowels. The Y and the J are, are very, very close. So uh, that's where the name Jehovah would come. That was the name that they would substitute for Yahweh because they thought Yahweh was so holy they couldn't say that. So they would, they would instead call him Jehovah. Um, and then Jesus comes in. When Jesus arrives on the scene and begins his ministry, he starts using this name of God in a way that it hadn't been done before. As we saw last week, I am the bread of life. And this morning we come to him saying, I am the light of the world. Now he's, he's trying to show his followers and show his disciples in the crowds something about himself. And what, he, what he's getting at, what he's trying to show them is that he is not only the Messiah who is sent, not, not, just, not just a good teacher, but he is God in the flesh. That's why he uses God's name uh, in these sayings that we're going to spend the next two, two and a half months walking through. This morning we come to one of the best, I am the light of the world. And we're just going to do one verse, so I'll let you remain seated. If you will turn to John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together to open up your word and to see what it means for you to be the light of the world. And I pray this morning we would experience this promise that if we, that, that if we follow you, we will never walk in darkness, but we will have the light of life. God, show us what it means to follow after you, to live in the light. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, so the first thing that I want us to see, I, I, I just have three points. Uh, they're not real complicated. Uh, the first one it was going to blow you away. Okay. Ready? In Christ, we have light. Now, now you might be thinking, well, yeah, like you just said it right here, right? I'm the light of the world. I, I, I had to dig deep to, to find that one. Okay. I, I had to go real deep to, to find that one. But, but here's, here's why that's significant. The, the metaphors of light and darkness are, are probably the most rich 
imagery in the Bible. And so anytime you see light, that's going to refer to the things of God in, in Scripture, particularly in John's writings. In the Gospel of John, where we are this morning, and in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, anytime you see him talk about light, that's going to refer to the things of God. Now, on the flip side, anytime he talks about darkness, that's going to refer to things that are opposed to God. And, and I think we understand this. Like, you don't have to teach your kids to be scared of the dark. There is just something that, that's, that's built into us as people that make us fear the dark. And listen, all right, you, you want to see a preacher run like a little kid, get this, get this church building completely dark. If I got to walk through it, like I am, I am booking it, all right? Satan is not going to catch me in the church building, right? I mean, I am, I am on the move. Because why? Because there, there's something about darkness that makes it scary. And I think I've said this before, but any movie, right, any, any action movie, any horror movie, whatever, somebody goes down a dark alley, like you're immediately screaming out, don't do it! Right? Especially if it's in the first five minutes. Like, dude, you die. You go down the dark alley, you die. That's how it ends. All right? And so, and so th this is a rich imagery in Scripture. Now, what's really interesting is, the, is when Jesus makes this statement. So, so he makes this statement, I am the light of the world, in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, or what's sometimes called the Feast of Booths. And one of the parts of this Jewish festival is that they would have had four great torches, enormous torches that would have been set up, kind of like uh, candelabras, all right? So, so there would have been several lights on, on each of these torches. And get this, the, the candelabras would have held as much as 65 liters of oil. Now, I should have converted that into gallons because, you know, metric system means nothing to us here, right? But, but all, all I'm saying is that's a lot of oil. So it tells you how big these torches were. And, and the flames from these four tor torches would have lit the entire temple complex. And not only that, but it would have lit much of Jerusalem. I mean, there had just been this glow from these torches that you could have seen anywhere in Jerusalem. And the reason these were set up was to remind the people in this case, in Jesus' day, in the first century, to remind them of the pillar of fire that led the children of God in the, during the, their 40 years in the wilderness. And so think about it. It's in this context, during this festival, Jesus and his disciples are probably walking through Jerusalem. Maybe they're even in the temple complex. And he says, hey, you, you see these torches? You see how, how great the light is that comes off these torches? Well, well, let me tell you something. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As I said, this is important. The, the, the light and darkness metaphor is important particularly in John's writings. In fact, very, on, very early on in John's gospel, as, he is, as he's kind of going through his prologue, which is just this big epic um, announcement of who Jesus is, one of the things he says is this in John 1.9. He says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
So he gives us a little preview there, right? Listen, this is, this is who this Jesus guy is that I'm getting ready to, to write for the next 20 chapters to you about. He's the true light who gives light to everyone, and he is coming into the world. Now, the question then, then, then comes, how does the world respond to the light? And the answer is not well. In fact, when, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus in John 3, which is, of course, where we get the, the John 3.16 passage, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, right after that, when we get into John 3.19, this, this is what Jesus says. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Have you seen this to be true? That, that the lights come into the world but people love darkness rather than light. You know, I think there's a reason that darkness leads to depression. There's a reason that, that Seattle has such a high uh, rate of depression. I mean, personally, look, I love rain. I, I don't think it would get old. I think I could handle it. But... It, the, the, after a while, it just becomes oppressive. I visit with folks who've, who've spent some time in Alaska during the, the six months where, where the sun never really gets much above the horizon. You might have an hour of, of what would appear to us kind of like breaking daylight, and then it goes back, and, and it's darkness. And they've, they've talked about just how oppressive that darkness can become. We live in a world, and it's always been like this. It's, it's always been like this. But we live in a world that is completely opposed to the things of God. Because they love darkness rather than the light. And, and listen, fo folks in the church are really good about pointing fingers out there, right? How, how dare you? And, and I have a couple of responses to that. For one, um, we can't expect dead people to act like they're alive. That, that's, that's, the, that's my first response. Can't expect dead people to act like they're alive. But as people who've been brought to life, don't you dare live like a dead person. So then how do we do this? How do we live as children of light? How do we walk by the light of Christ? Listen, that could be its own message, and I don't, have, I don't have a whole lot of time to dive into that, so I'm just going to throw out one verse, okay? Psalm 119, 105, you literally memorize this during the VBS Pledge to the Bible. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You want to know how to live in the light of Christ? It's right here. Now listen, I don't really get into the, into the metaphors of, oh, this is a roadmap for life, or this is like your owner's manual. No, it's much more important than that. These are the words of life. 
And, I, and I've said this before, but, but there's a reason that David says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And he's not talking about a halogen light like you'd stick on the front of your truck when you're going hunting that like makes it daylight across the, the countryside. No, we're talking like an old, I, mean, I, think of, I think when I went camping with my dad, we had a Coleman lantern and we'd hang it on a, hang it on a tree and then you didn't go very far from the tree because you couldn't see very far, right? And that's the image that I get here. It's, it's, a, it's a lamp that we hold out. And we can see the next step. And when we take the next step, then it, it provides light for the next step. And that's how the Bible works. And in case you haven't, in case you haven't noticed, let me, let me tell you that, that God will not show you what the next 20 years of your life are supposed to look like. He might not even show you what the next 20 days of your life are supposed to look like. Shoot, in some cases, you might not even know what the next 20 hours of your life are supposed to look like. But we know what the next step is. And you know what? Maybe sometimes we don't know what, what, what the next step is to take. So you know what we do? We take the next step. Just, just take the next step in faith. Trusting that, that he's going to light our path. So that's the first thing. In Christ, we have light. And the second thing is this. In Christ, we have life. And this is the promise that he gives us. Look here. Uh, John 8, 12. I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So, so he makes it real simple. In Christ, there is light and there is life. And apart from Christ, there is death and darkness. There is no middle ground. There's a lot of areas in our life where, where, where there's a whole lot of gray area, right? I mean, that's just, that's just the, the nature of life. There's, there's some gray area. There is no gray area here. You are either dead or alive. You're walking in light or you're walking in darkness. There's no middle ground. John, again... In his prologue to his gospel in, in verses 4 and 5, chapter 1, he says this, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And I love this. The light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. If you have, uh, I believe it's the NIV, I believe the NIV says the darkness did not understand it. It was an interesting thing about darkness. You can really only define it one way. And that is darkness is the absence of of light. And when you turn on the light, the darkness has no choice but to run away. I'm reminded of that every time I walk in here on a Sunday morning and begin to, to, to turn these lights on. Because let me tell you, it's dark in here. I've already, I've already embarrassed myself and told you that I like, am, am like a little kid running, ah, right? It, it, man, it's dark. Yeah, your pastor is a manly man. <laughs> I mean, it's dark, all right? It is very dark in here. But you know what? So, so we, we're having some issues with our light panels. And so right now, from, from the light panel that's right outside our office, the only lights we can turn on are the lights underneath the balcony and above the balcony. And uh, so, so I'll come in, and I'll usually turn those on. And it's amazing how much that, I mean, those are not bright lights. But it's amazing what that does to the darkness when you just turn a little light on. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness is not overcome. The darkness has to flee. 1 John 1, 7. 
John writes here, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Man, that's good stuff right there. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, man, somebody ought to make a song out of that. I'm a a kid of the 90s, okay? DC Talk wrote a song like, like that. So, if we, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Man, do you get that? Like he brings us from death to life and, and all of a sudden we have fellowship with other people who've been brought from death to life. Boy, that's good stuff. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You, you ever meditated, dwelt on that thing. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, now here's what that means. The moment that you prayed to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, the moment that you crossed that line of faith, as as I say it, from death into life, the door shut behind you and it was locked by by the blood of Jesus and you ain't going back. And that means at that moment, all sins, past, present, and future, stuff that you hadn't even done yet, stuff that you can't even think about that you would do, are cleansed. Man, what a, what a grace that's been given to us. To know that, listen, no matter what happens, I'm not going back. In fact, this is how Paul puts it in Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves I love that boy. He, he launched a full out rescue mission and snatched us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to his kingdom. Then Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, which I know we, we walked through Ephesians for a long time, right? But, but I go back to this all the time because this Ephesians 2 is one of the best, the most clear explanations of what happens when we come to faith in Christ. And this is what Paul says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived, according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. And then he says here, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children uh, under wrath, as the others were also. So Paul makes it clear, listen, man, we were dead, right? I mean, he doesn't mince words there. You were dead. And not only you, we all were dead. No hope. In darkness. We were by nature children under wrath. I'm so glad he didn't stop after verse 3. But verse 4 comes in and he says these two words that change everything, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Now, now, now listen. I still got another point, but, 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 but listen, listen here. This is the most important thing in your life. is to ask yourself, where are you today? Are you in the kingdom of darkness? Are you dead or are you alive? Are you living in the domain of darkness or has God transferred you into the kingdom of his son? 
If not, listen, I, I, I said, I got another point to preach, but, but in, in just a few moments, in about 10 minutes, we're going we're gonna to pray, and we're going to sing, and as soon as we start singing, man, I would love to visit with you about what it means for you to be transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that only happens one way, by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as God's only Son, and trusting the light of the world. What do I have to do? Nothing. Why? Because it says you are saved by grace. You come down and we ask God to, to, to blow up your life and, and to move you from one kingdom to the other. And he steps in and does it just like that. I'd love to visit with you. Now, now here's the last thing. And this is for those who, who would say, yes, I am. I know for sure I'm in, the, I'm in the kingdom of light. I know I'm walking in life. Now, now here's the thing. We, we got this light. We got to do something with it. So in Christ, we have a liability. Now, 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 if you're like me, like as, soon as, I, as soon as I saw that word, I went, wait a second, that's like, like liability insurance. That means that I'm in trouble, right? That's, that's what that means. No, no, it means you are responsible. In Christ, we have a responsibility. That's, that's all I mean when I say liability. There, there's something we have to do. Because we've been entrusted with this light, we have to do something. And what is that responsibility? Well, let me tell you, it's simple. We show and we tell. Just like kindergarten, right? Show and tell. Love it. How do we do that? Well, Ephesians 5.8. Paul writes this. He says, you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Boy, isn't that simple? I love it. You're, you're light. Live like it. Don't live like a child of the darkness. Live like a, child, like a child of the light. And again, that goes back. Well, how do I do that? Right here. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And, and hey, look, maybe you're here and you're like, boy, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, like, I don't know. I, I, I started reading in Joel and I didn't understand what I was saying. Like, he's talking about locusts. What do I do with that? Uh, if you don't know where to start, come, I, I would love to tell you, to, to be able to guide you where to start. And so if that's you, man, find me right after the service. And I, I would love to lay out some, some stuff and say, here's, how you, here's, here's a way to start reading through the Bible and to see what God has to say to you through it. So we show. And, and as we do that, as we're in God's word, that will show us how to show the world that we're, that we're in the light. But that's not all. You, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of times, well, you know, my testimony is, is just in, in the way that I live. Okay. You ever, you ever had somebody standing next to you in, a, in line at Walmart and go, man, I could tell you're a Christian. I need to repent of my sins and, and trust in Jesus Christ because of your shining example standing in line at Walmart. No. Listen, I'm not, I'm not discounting saying that, listen, the way I live is important. Yes, it is. Absolutely it is. But there comes a point where you've got to tell. There comes a point where you've got to open up your mouth. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he reminds us of this. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. 
man, listen, you, you want to know how you shine? Open up your mouth and start telling people about the light of the world. Now, I'm not saying you've got to shove it down their throats, right? We don't want to be those guys. Sometimes it's just as simple as, as seeing somebody and saying, hey, I'm, uh, how, how can I pray for you this week? You know, rarely have I been in a conversation with somebody and, and asked them how I could pray for them and they, and they turn it down. We've even been friends with, some, with some, some folks who claim to be agnostic or atheist or they don't even really know where they are. Um, I say, hey, can, is it all right if I pray with you? And they say, yeah, sure, why, why not? It's not going to hurt anything, right? And then, then to come back and say, and be able to, be able to follow up and say, hey, I, how's, how's, how are things going? I've been praying for you. Finally, we have a great promise. And as I mentioned, as if you've, boy, if you've watched the news at all this week, and I could point to about 15 different things, man, we live in a dark world. And, and, and I don't know that I have any theological groundwork or theological foundation to say it's getting darker, but from my observation, boy, it seems like it's getting darker. And yet we have this promise that one day all the darkness will pass away. In fact, again, John writes to us in Revelation as, as he's recounting the vision that he had of the city of God when, when everything is made new finally at the consummation of the kingdom of God. This is what he says in Revelation 21. It says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and, the, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Man, what a picture. Listen, boy, we, we live in a world that's dark. You know, if, you, if you've been following the news in London in the last, really the last two months, um, boy, that's... There's, there's darkness and there's evil that's real in our world. But the Bible promises that that's not the way it's going to be forever. That this is temporary. And one day, all that is darkness, all that is evil, will pass away. One, one author put it this way, and I love this. One day, everything that is sad will come untrue. Love that. And then Revelation 22, 5, the very last chapter in the entire Bible gives us this promise. Night will be no more. People will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is the ultimate promise for those who are in Christ Jesus that one day all the pain, all the sickness, all the sadness will disappear. All the darkness will go away. And we will live forever in the light of the light of the world. Can you claim that promise today? Have you stepped from darkness to light? From death to life? I'm going to sound like an old, old evangelist here, but do you know that you know that you know that you are in Christ Jesus? 
And listen, if you don't have that assurance today, if you can't stand on two feet and say, yes, I know that my life is hidden with Christ. I know that I've crossed that line from death to life. I would love to visit with you in about two minutes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for, we thank you just for the opportunity to gather together for the chance to worship your name and for the chance to to be reminded that you are the light of the world. Even, Even as we live in a world that seems at times to be consumed by darkness. That our eyes can deceive us. So Father, I pray as, as we're reminded time and time again that, that evil exists in our world. That, that men hate the darkness, or that they hate the light, that they love the darkness, that we would be reminded it's oh so important. That we reflect you, the light of the world. Remind us that sometimes when the darkness is the thickest is when light has the most effect. So help us to be people who are constantly showing and telling the world about you, the only hope, the only light that shines in the darkness. Father, if there's anybody in the room this morning who has not yet stepped, whom you have not transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son, that today's the day. Today's the day they cross that line of faith and say, I'm all in to follow after Jesus Christ. I need to have my sins forgiven in today's the day. Move in and through us. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.